We are back. Warp and Move Radio, RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. Come to you on Wednesdays from 11 to 11.50. We're introducing you to Christians doing good around Indianapolis based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Do good, do good, do good. Our sponsor, the Cominius Institute. At the Cominius Institute, we cross three bridges. The first bridge is in the college where we help Christian young people think Christianly about their subject areas and the content that they're getting in uh, college. Also answering their questions about things that they hear around the campus. Uh, 34,000 students attend IUPUI downtown Indianapolis. Glad to be there. I'm also teaching a couple of classes with some great colleagues uh, in the humanities department at IUPUI. Second bridge we cross is in the communities, which is exactly what we're doing right now. Our constant interest is uh, doing something that would uh, show the beauty uh, of God's world as well as demonstrating the goodness that comes out of relationships that we have in and around Indianapolis. And of course, we're doing that in the radio show. Over 200 episodes over four years. Uh, glad to be a part of Indianapolis. The third bridge that we cross is into culture, which means that we're interacting with all different kinds of ideas and issues. Uh, this last week, for instance, on our Truth in Two, that's our two-minute videos that we put out uh, every week. Uh, we were talking about the necessity of being broad-minded. Uh, we are definitely closed to certain things, and nobody is truly open-minded in that sense of things. So we're grateful for the opportunity to interact with culture. Uh, we have uh, a paper coming out here just in the next couple of months on neurodiversity, which is all about the consistency of uh, interacting with people of all different uh, normalcies, which includes intellectual normalcies. Uh, this will focus especially on autism, so we're thinking Christianly about everything, including things like uh, the issues of intellectual disabilities. But today, in anticipation of tomorrow, which is Halloween, uh, in and around uh, the United States in particular, and Indianapolis specifically, we're uh, glad to invite into our studio today uh, somebody who is at a distance in New York City, uh, this is Joey Yeager. In fact, those of you who are Facebook Live right now can actually see a picture of Joey next to me that I made this morning. Uh, Joey joins us from New York City. Uh, Joey, thanks so much for being here today. Dr. Rambo, thank you so much. I feel like it's a little bit of a cliche, but I actually am really excited to be on the show today. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, you know, th this whole thing started because uh, we became interested in and invested by a concern uh, that we saw on Instagram from you, uh, and I'm still chuckling about it because it's just so hilarious. Uh, if we could uh, redo this and repackage this show, I would definitely be showing people the uh, video of what you did. But you were in New York City, and you were pointing at various decorations uh, in anticipation of Halloween and uh, doing some things that were quite unusual. Why don't you explain to everybody what it was that you were doing? <laughs> I would be happy to. Thanks so much for asking. Um, this uh, this idea came actually from a comedian that I follow on Instagram. Really funny comedian started following him when he had a really small following. This grown to over a million. A, a Christian comedian by the name of uh, Ken on stage. Um, but yeah, so uh, essentially, I think that uh, I'll, I'll explain what it was that I did and then talk about just like briefly why I think that. It's funny to people. Uh, so in New York City, people embrace Halloween. That's just sort of the nature of the city. People can get really, really into it. Uh, and so when there are Halloween decorations of all sorts, uh, 
I sort of embody a caricature, if you will, of a uh, an overly zealous uh, spiritual uh, Christian and uh, just go around to different places. And I, I literally record myself uh, casting out the demons that, that, that these things represent in a, in a uh, very comical way. Uh, I got a tattoo recently on my hand that has a, it's a cross. And so I use that uh, to my advantage. And uh, there's just this sort of, uh, the, the reason why I think it's funny and, and the reason why uh, I've actually gotten the most interaction on my Instagram account from these videos is because it's so over the top. Uh, it's such an over the top response to what I feel like some people might feel on a much lower level of just in passing when you see like a really grotesque sort of mask you think oh that's gross and instead of thinking that's gross i start uh praying in tongues against it or i start <laughs> casting it out by quoting scripture over it or uh, pleading the blood of jesus over it and so um it's uh it's a it's comedy is really unique because in a lot of ways it, it speaks truth in a way that relieves the tension and i think that i think that that is why there's such a positive response to that sort of thing it's a, a tension relief around something that people don't really know how to interact with if they're a believer mm. and so i've taken sort of the far uh, pendulum swing of how to interact with that on a, on a comical level and i've done tons and tons and tons of, of really good response from it <laughs> well i have this big smile pasted on my face uh, just because of thinking uh, about that particular uh, Instagram post, and if if anybody's interested, this is Joe Yeager. You spell his last name Y A G E R, and go check him out. Uh, check out that Instagram post that he put up, and uh, all of his uh, uh, anti-possession emphases there. And I, I really do appreciate the fact that you're bringing in the comedic here, uh, because you know the word comedy actually comes from the word cosmos, which you know means that we actually have an ordered universe, and so comedy really only works because we know that there's an order invested here. And so it, it's really kind of fun to hear that, you know, you believe in the tension uh, and that breaking the tension sometimes is an important process. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, listen, Halloween is like, Halloween's a weird holiday. I think Halloween's one of the weirdest holidays in the United States because there's so many people who have no idea what to do with it. Right. And, and because of the history of Halloween that I'm, I'm sure that we can get into in a few minutes, there, Halloween is like, there's, the, the purpose of it is so uncertain, mm. but we value it so highly. I was reading an article while Americans spent $9.1 billion on Halloween yeah. last year, 2018. Mm. So clearly it's a part of our ethos in America. Yes. But so many of us have no like framework for how to relate to a holiday. It's not like a Christmas or an Easter. And so, especially for believers, it's like, what do, what do we do with this thing? And I think that creates a lot of tension. I remember growing up as a kid thinking this is the cheesiest thing on earth, but they called it trunk or treating. And it, was like, it was like at a Mormon church or Seventh-day Adventist church. I don't remember which one, but essentially it was like, how did it, like they couldn't even use the word trick it was like let's go to car trunks and, candy. and it's like well, there's only one time where it's appropriate to go to someone's van or car and pull 
candy out of their back trunk, and that happens to be Halloween. But uh, it's just a unique, it's such a unique holiday, and there is so much magic around it, and and there is, and that's what comedy does, is it, is it highlights the tension. So, uh, so I, I love using that as an approach to this thing that even I would say I probably don't have a, a great idea about how we should relate to and interact with a holiday, air quotes, that is so prevalent in pop culture. So yesterday I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, actually a colleague on the campus of IUPUI, a faculty member there. He's the director of the Ray Bradbury Institute. For those who might not know, Ray Bradbury is uh, the famous writer of many uh, short stories and pulp fiction uh, issues, including Fahrenheit 451. Uh, but uh, Ray Bradbury, uh, this particular uh, faculty member and I were talking about this, and he said he was giving some of these uh, Ray Bradbury stories out to his students that he, he had an online class he was teaching. And so uh, some of the students were very, very conservative. They didn't really appreciate uh, the Ray Bradbury horror kind of stories. And so we talked about that a little bit. And I want to just kind of put this caveat out there just for this whole show. And then, you know, we'll kind of press on. But uh, I just want to say, while uh, we are having this discussion, and it's pretty obvious that both of us are not too concerned about Halloween just generally, and we'll talk more about that, uh, we also do want to say to everybody, look, we know that you have different convictions. Uh, everybody is, uh, can have their own convictions as Christians, and I certainly hope that you're drawing your biblical base for those convictions out of Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8 which are the two classic uh, chapters on uh, developing Christian convictions. And I would also say, not tongue-in-cheek, but almost, that uh, if you're celebrating Easter, which is actually uh, a nomenclature for the beginning of spring, and you're having uh, Easter egg hunts and uh, loving bunnies, I'm saying to you that that too is a cultish kind of thing. And if you are celebrating Christmas with the ancient Druid symbol of the Christmas tree, uh, that, too, is uh, something else apart from a Christian uh, tradition. So I, I just want to say that out front to everybody. Hey, we're talking about this. I also want you to realize that we do a lot of other traditional kind of things that really, truly go against uh, a Christian view of history. So I'm, I just put that out there. It's kind of like my little one-minute slot to say I appreciate other people's points of view, but we're going to press on to this one anyway. Um, yeah, let's, let's live in the tension of this. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's, let's do that, shall we? Might as well. It's coming tomorrow. So it's coming tomorrow, yeah. So I wanted to pick back up on something you said that was fascinating to me. You said, really, people get into this in NYC. So why is it uh, in the city that they're so into uh, Halloween? Um, I, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, my first response is I have no idea. New York City is uh, such a complicated concept on a on a psychological level the amount of people that we have in such an enclosed space i think there's something like 130 languages spoken in new york city oh my more. wow uh, maybe it's like maybe it's like 400 languages uh, like over 100 countries represented eight wow. million people um every religion you could possibly think of and we're all living in like a 24 square mile like Manhattan Island. Yeah. So, so the reason why I say that is because uh, I I think that, uh, and I, I emphasize the word think. From my perspective, people 
need to maximize the opportunity to identify themselves in the world in New York City. Okay. And so I think that those, at certain, when you have the opportunity to identify with something or show off a part of your identity, you're going to use that. So I walk, there's, there's houses literally on my street where there's like, like statues of severed heads, like on the doorstep and chains wrapped around the fences and like ghosts and goblins and like the, like the stoop, the think of like the classic New York City. When you think of New York City, you're thinking of like a brownstone yep. stoop with yep. a tree line. Not thinking about that, except it's like covered in Halloween decor and not like, oh, it's a cute little pumpkin. It's like, that is a severed head of a clown sitting <laughs> on someone's doorstep. Oh, and so dear. I think it's, I, I, my, again, my first initial answer is I don't know. My second answer is maybe because they want to be seen. They want to identify themselves in the world. They want people to know that they're there. Yeah. And let me tell you some of those, uh, some of those decorations definitely, definitely highlight that somebody mm. who's passionate about Halloween there. Wow. And so, uh, that's my that's my initial take on it. It's I mean Halloween's weird, man. <laughs> okay. It's weird. It's like, well, let's let's get back to the uh, the dispossession emphasis too, where you're you know casting out the demons and so on. And let me say to all of our Pentecostal friends out there, um, we actually believe that uh, there is a necessity to understand that there is a spirit world, and I really want to emphasize that that concept. Um, and actually, uh, the issue of uh, demonic spirits and all, all those kinds of things actually exist and are true. We'll talk about that. Uh, so we don't want to diminish this in any way. Uh, let's let me just ask this question about the whole clown bit. Is is I realize that the clown issue, ever since uh, Stephen King's It and all kinds of other issues there, um, the clown has been a classic Halloween costume kind of thing. Um, is that something that you see a lot in New York City? Um, man, it's so interesting. Is that I, I remember, this is maybe, I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure that you do because it was not long ago. 2017, 2016. I wasn't, I wasn't in New York City yet, but there was like a massive movement across the United States around Halloween time of people dressing up like clowns mm. and like lurking and trespassing on other people's property to yes. scare them, like standing outside of their windows and yeah. kids would like get in groups and like dress up as clowns and stand in the middle of like back roads to scare drivers. Right. Uh, yeah. I, so it, it's interesting to say that I was reminded of that time. It was brief, but it was like everywhere. Clowns were getting arrested by the police and, People were threatening other people. It was crazy. America, what can, what can we say? Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that uh, in New York City, yeah, there, there are clowns. I, I don't think that it's so prevalent that you would think about it. Uh, it's so unique that the movie The Joker came out recently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and how his persona is a clown. Mm. And and so to a, to a greater degree, I think, Again, so much of culture has influenced how we relate to the clown. Yes. There have been, um, if anyone is uh, a history major or psychology major, there have been uh, significant uh, people in uh, that, that were uh, back in the 60s and 70s who used clown costumes as masks to do 
awful, awful things to people. Yes. And and so I think that yeah, the clown is, is just something that doesn't it's a again a weird thing that doesn't go away. In New York City, there are clowns, not necessarily any more than anything else. Um, clowns maybe more in the metaphorical sense than the literal sense. <laughs> <laughs> to be expected if you have I suppose so. people in one city. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, let me uh, let me establish some some baselines here for us, uh, just so that everybody knows where we're coming from from a decidedly Hebraic Christian point of view. I wanted to run through six basic concepts that I really try to emphasize to everybody when it comes to uh, not just the discussion of Halloween, but just generally speaking about evil. So, uh, here are some uh, baseline uh, concepts, and we, maybe we can riff on some of these uh, maybe before and after uh, our break. Now, the first one is that evil is real, historic, and personal. So this comes out of Genesis 3, of course, uh, and we see the connection all the way through Scripture that uh, the evil that we're talking about here is uh, embodied in an individual uh, entity. Uh, as um, uh, Satan, our adversary. So there's, there's that kind of uh, emphasis. Uh, the second thing I need to say here is that there's no possibility that evil will ever win. So that's a real concern for us, too, uh, that we emphasize that. And we see this in, in Psalm 2, for instance, that uh, uh, God laughs. In fact, it's one of the few passages in Scripture where uh, the Almighty is actually laughing, and he's laughing at the incapability of humans uh, to overcome uh, him as, as God. The third point that we need to make about this is that evil people follow the principles of the evil one, and that's really a powerful concern. We see places like 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15 really highlighted here. And then I'll just run through the, the other three because they have to do with goodness, and we really are focusing today on the evil. Uh, number four is any good thing uh, comes from the good God. Uh, number five, good people follow lo the laws and principles from this good God. And number six, good always triumphs in the end. I think those are uh, really crucial and, and concerning uh, ideas that, that kind of we need to lay out as groundwork for us here. That's really good. Yeah, that's amazing. So I think you went back to Genesis 3. Yeah, so yeah. That's your, that's your tagline. That's right. Ever since Genesis 3, I've got a sign in my uh, study that says that. If your theology doesn't include back to Genesis 3, your theology needs to be reconsidered. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And of course, as we all know, um, prior to Genesis 3, 1 and 2 set the stage for God's original intention. So we're really concerned about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I had an interesting thought on, on all of these concepts coming together. Uh, how I think attention for people with how we, particularly in light of uh, Protestant Christianity, and maybe other religions as well, but I think one of the, the difficulties is the evil that's associated with Halloween. And and so Christians are always living in this tension, uh, yeah. the New Testament tension that, that I've received, which is like, don't be uh, be in the world, but not of the world. Right. But also, Jesus ate with like sinners and tax collectors and hung out with prostitutes and like sinners. Yeah, and so that is from from what I can tell the ultimate tension. Like, which, which side of this aisle are we supposed to be on? 
And right. I think we experience that when we relate to Halloween. Do you know, you know, the, you know, guy Jack Chick? Yeah, sure. So Jack Chick was the one that started the evangelistic track publishing in the 1960s, like widely, right? Um, widely started publishing. He, he's got a few uh, tracks uh, about Halloween that they have, you know, they contain biblical truths. Uh, and I've heard stories of people being saved by them, but he has a, a Halloween track that uh, depicts Satan with the head of a pumpkin. Mm. And uh, like Satan goes into this camp during a Halloween party and he's like demanding human sacrifice and it's like a little bit weird. Uh-huh. He ends up killing a bunch of people with a chainsaw on the track and uh, and and Halloween is sort of portrayed supposedly as like Satan's birthday and the only real defense against him is praying in Jesus' name and rebuking him. And so even all the way back to the 1960s and maybe even further than that, there's been this weird interconnection of what you were talking about a little bit earlier, which is the spiritual realm that Clearly, you and I agree exists on someone like you. Not of, I am careful to say that. I I spent a lot of time in the Pentecostal church, and so I'm very aware that 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 is a part of the story of Christianity, that spiritual nature. But but there's a lot of times in in pop culture where where, uh, and this is I think a really great example where where these things sort of got woven together in a in a way that we don't really understand, like. Halloween as Satan's birthday is not really accurate. Not close. Uh, uh, so, so, but, but, but there's so many people that believe that that's actually what it is because of the influence of certain Christian movements or pop culture movements. Uh, obviously, these tracks were really, really big in the sixties and seventies. Yep. And and they're 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 linking two things in in a way that is a little bit deceiving oh isn't that the truth yeah this is this is a big yeah this is a big deal actually i grew up with these kinds of things um but before we do we should probably uh take a a break here from uh, yeah right yeah take taking a break from the uh the whole focal point of talk and we'll move to music for a few minutes we're going to be taking a one-song break, and when we come back, we'll be continuing our conversation with Joey Yeager from New York City about the issues of Halloween and the concepts that come out of that from a Christian point of view. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, Radio Next TV at the Cool Groove site. We'll take a one-song break. We'll be right back. Uh, Mr. Armstrong wants to know what happened in Genesis 3. Ah, Mr. Armstrong. Ryan. Ryan's talking to us. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we can go in any direction. Actually, I'll pick back up on the chick tracks when we come back in. I, it was the kind of thing that I grew up on when I was in a very fundamentalistic church uh, in the '60s and '70s. So you know. <laughs> You've hit right in the uh, arena of uh, of where I was living at that particular juncture. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. And then I'd like to ask questions about um, 
do that uh, we come back we'll hit we'll start in with the chick tracks and then yeah. uh, uh, you just jump in with your questions and we'll go from there yeah. we'll, we'll probably have oh I don't know 15 plus minutes when we get back in okay yeah awesome. uh, how far are you physically from uh, the church building where you're gonna be uh, I'm in my offices right now oh okay yeah. okay um, yeah we oh. do church in high schools Oh, we have offices in Hell's Kitchen. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. speaking of Halloween. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Halloween's weird in New York City, man. They, uh, it's like the one, one holiday of the year that you don't like, go outside at nighttime. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like it the is. Purge movies, huh? Yeah, a little bit. It's like, there's, it's like, you, if you crime happens in New York City, it's not really easy to track down. Mm -hmm. And it only is like infinitely more complicated when people are allowed to just dress up in Halloween masks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's like you get jumped by a group of people wearing clown masks when you get to the cops. Right. Right. Yeah, it really does sound like a whole purge situation there. Uh, for those yeah. of you on Facebook Live uh, tracking with us here, the whole the whole purge issue is uh, one that. Came out of movies. Uh, what did, when was the first one done? Back in 15 or 14, 2014 or something? And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get a big kick out of those. What did you think about it? It is a longer conversation. I'll just give you the short answer. And that is um, I actually go back uh, from the Purge movies to The Night of the Living Dead. And if you remember the Night of the Living Dead, when was that, uh, 67, 68, 66, George Romero? Um, you know, the one of the heroes of that film was African-American. And in fact, he was the hero of the film. And what I find fascinating is that they did exactly the same thing in the Purge movies. So you've got this person coming into the house who's black into a white home, and yet he's the one who saves the white family. Um, I, fi I find that fascinating, you know to flip this, flip the script. Yeah. So, you know, just a little bit of Hollywood and movie history there to kind of um, take out some of those ideas. But, but yeah, I, I get a kick out of them because it's a unique concept um, just in the general sense of, okay, what are we going to do with all the crime in the streets? Okay. We're going to have one day out of the year where we get to take out anybody that we think is, you know, a bad person. Um, and I'm speaking humanistically now, okay, as a, as a, from a human point of view, I'm saying this to all of our listeners uh, to emphasize the fact that, you know, I don't believe in that, obviously, but it's a unique approach in a, in a movie uh, to come at things that way. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's some, I think, some underlying principles of what people really want. They want justice, but they turn to revenge, quite frankly, um, and then they, you know, there's the tension of almost a black comedy in the purge, uh, the purge movies. Yeah. So for what that's worth, uh, kind of gives you a little bit of a, a snapshot there. That's the subtitle of that uh, book. Yeah. We're right in the middle of our commercial break. About 15 seconds, we'll be coming back in. Churches and businesses. 
leaders and entrepreneurs about God's truth in every endeavor. Join the growing number of Emmaus Institute contributing patrons. Christian interpretation begins with God's word, so we can interpret God's word. The Emmaus Institute, where Christian wisdom and daily life. And we are back, Daily Life Meeting, and we are specific uh, about that. Today we're dealing with the topic and subject of Halloween in anticipation of tomorrow, which is October 31st. And just uh, as we were ending the first segment of our show with uh, Joey Yeager from New York City, uh, he was mentioning the chick tracks that came out in the 60s and 70s. And, and Joey, just to kind of tie back into that, uh, I was alive then, of course, uh, you know, living through the chick tracks of the day. I remember uh, reading them consistently. Uh, they were a big deal then. I grew up in a very fundamentalistic Baptist church that uh, believed in uh, basically all of what was uh, being done with uh, Mr. Chick's tracks back then. Um, I, I've set them aside since uh, over many years. But those kinds of things, uh, I'm even thinking about the Left Behind series, those kinds of things where I would really have some some theological questions about the kinds of things that are being said in those those literary uh, perspectives. Uh, nonetheless, I, I think you know Christians are trying to interact with how do we how do we do this thing? How do we deal with Halloween? Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of Christians struggle with it, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. I think I mean there's tension here, right? Because right because we don't not, typically we're not living in and utopian existence of all believers, maybe at the coming, second coming of Jesus, it will be like that. But right now, we all have jobs, we have communities in our, and kids play soccer on teams with parents who aren't believers, and all these things. So, so I say that because we're ultimately going to be affected by it. We're going to be, we're going to be invited to Halloween parties. Our kids are dressing up as whatever they are to yeah. go to school or. There's uh, it's going to intersect with our life in some way, and ultimately we can't just look at it and be like, "Well, I don't believe it exists," and then turn around and walk away. Like, right. No, it exists whether you believe it or doesn't. The question is, how do we as believers interact with it in a meaningful way that that is that is useful and brings about human flourishing? Yes, uh, and that's. And, I'm sorry. Did you want me to answer that question? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Answer that question, and then how ultimately, is, if you could, have two things. What does the Bible say about it? And then, for all of us who are listening, how do we live in that tension? And how should we respond to? Should we be going to Halloween parties? Should we be going trick or treating? Or should we be sitting at home reading these chick tracks about Satan dressing <laughs> up as a pumpkin head, killing people at Halloween party? Right. Uh, so every every Halloween, uh, Robin and I. Rob is my wife and I, we dress up and in our costumes and we sit at the edge of our uh, uh, driveway, uh, right where the sidewalk intersects with the driveway. And we have all these little kids coming by in these cute little costumes, you know, parents pulling them in the, the four wheel bit, whatever. And, the, you know, for two hours, we sit there and we have these huge baskets of candy. I mean, huge. Robin's always telling me, you don't need to buy that much. And of course, I buy that much because I'm addicted to the legal white powder, which is sugar. So, you know, I, I get the leftovers afterwards. But uh, uh, so we, we interact in our, with our community that way. And, and I think that's very inviting. It certainly has been uh, in our interactions over the years with folks in our neighborhood. Uh, they appreciate the fact that 
first of all, if nothing else, they don't have to go up to the front door. You know, they can meet us right on the sidewalk. You know, folks really like that. Um, the second thing I would say about that is uh, that these are little kids and they're really having a good time and they like dressing up. I mean, you know, I've got four grandkids and they love dressing up. My little uh, little Isaiah, you know, we his uh, his aunt uh, bought him a ninja outfit. You know, he loves that thing. You know, he loves to dress up. Uh, it's just part of uh, fascination and fantasy and, and imagination and all those kinds of things. <coughs> Excuse me. And the, the concepts, I think, that are important in that highlight the imaginative spirit that is resonant within us. So I would say all of that to kind of uh, to, to just give a general overview statement or response to that question uh, but, you know, on a real practical side of things, going back to the sugar issue, I mean, it's free candy, man. I, that's what I think on Halloween. It's free candy. And what a cool way to go about meeting your neighbors and having discussions with people. Any Every Halloween, I've had at least one great discussion with somebody uh, as it relates to whatever it is that we're talking about uh, on the street that night. And so I really get a big kick out of doing this. Uh, it really does uh, come back to the issue of community and what kind of what kind of response are people in the world going to have uh, from me as they see me? They already know who I am. They know I'm a Christian theologian. Uh, I'm a professor. They've talked with me before, so they're really interested to see. Hey, he dresses up like everybody else in a costume. No, I'm not going to dress up like an axe murderer or some kind of clown that's going to you know, do something awful to you. Uh, but it's it's for fun, and it's for imagination, and I join in that whole celebration. So really good. I, I, I want to uh, highlight a couple of things. First of all, I love that you said uh, the communal aspect of Halloween. Yeah. It's like the only time ever that your neighbors are going to be okay with you coming up on their doorstep yeah. and asking them for something. Yeah. We live in a really unique time and culture where that probably was a lot more popular. Uh, uh, longer ago, but but now it's like if you're ringing the doorbell and you're not ringing delivery, don't <laughs> touch my doorbell, man. But but so Halloween, it's this like cultural moment where everybody sort of lowers that standard when people are invited even past the the doorstep and into the house. Sometimes, yeah, sure. Depending on on the the type of neighborhood that you live in, and so. What I see that this plays into that I'd love for you to talk more about is, is because I don't, I, I think that I can hear people in my head pushing back. Well, what about when the Bible says to dwell on what's pure and lovely and to abstain from witchcraft and to expose darkness and to be different from the world? I can hear those valid conversations. There's verses that, that people could use to defend those points of view. But but, I, but my, my question is, in light of the fact that Halloween is so weird to me and so unique that it's like, let's dress up as people that we're not and go on each other's doorsteps, there is a there is fundamentally a communal aspect about that. And, and the question then becomes, how do believers take advantage of impact opportunities mm. where yeah. we can look at a situation like Halloween and we can say, this is actually an opportunity where it's okay for me to talk to all of my neighbors. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, so that's two parts. One, recognizing that you as a believer actually have an impact opportunity, meaning 
you have an opportunity to impact your neighbor in some way very meaningfully. As you were saying, at least every year you have one good conversation. Yes. So, so the first part is, as believers, are we recognizing Halloween as an opportunity? And two, when we do recognize it, how do we have those conversations? How do we, oh, your kids dress up like a ghost. Have you heard about Jesus Christ? It's like probably not the way that we would feel comfortable like introducing our faith into, into the daily life things that we do. How, how maybe talk about your personal experience, but, but then go a little bit further because for you as a professor, as a theologian, a published author, somebody who spent their whole life doing this, uh, I, I used to uh, I used to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a martial art, and I would talk with people who were black belts. And one of the things they say all the time is that they've forgotten what it's like to be a white belt, mm. which is a really important concept because if you forget what it's like to walk onto the mat for the very first time, it's like terrifying. Yeah. And like the first six months of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you were just like being crushed by everyone. Mm -hmm. And so like the name of the game is survival. I say that today. As somebody who's been in this your whole life, what do you say to that person who's walking onto the mat for the first time, having those conversations for the very first time, and maximizing an opportunity, something as what others might call as secular as Halloween, in a way that promotes community and maybe even a way to share Jesus with somebody? Uh, my general, yeah, my general thought would be that it has to, it, it better be starting before Halloween. Um, it, you know, if I'm not interacting with my, my neighbors or having conversations with my neighbors apart from Halloween, they're not going to want to talk to me on Halloween. So we have, we're on a, this, a street, this street that's just full of little kids. And, you know, parents are out with them in the summertime and the fall and the spring and, you know, baby strollers and the whole nine yards, you know. And so, and people walking their dogs and, and those kinds of things. So you stop and you have conversations with folks. And my point in even emphasizing that is that, you know, this is not a run and gun, one and done kind of approach that we do on just one day out of the year. Oh, this is Halloween and I need to spread the gospel because there's evil in the world. There's evil in the world the rest of the 364 days of the year. And I need to be addressing those kinds of concerns that, you know, they, anybody would have uh, during those days as well. But if I'm not carrying on conversations with folks prior to Halloween, then probably Halloween isn't going to be the only one time that I'm ever going to get a chance to talk to people. Uh, so back to your white belt concern, I think that people need to be uh, careful. It, let's say, for instance, we're going back to the convictions issue, and I'm thinking about Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8 here. Uh, if you have come out of uh, a situation like Paul was addressing and saying, hey, uh, you know, if, if you were uh, offering sacrifices to idols, and you were uh, believing that the meat that you were eating was evil, then don't eat meat. But he's, he says, hey, you know, I know based on uh, what God has already told us that the meat's just fine and the idols don't exist, so go ahead and eat the meat. But if you have problems with it, then don't, don't eat the meat. I would say the same thing to everybody. I would say, look, if you've come out of a culture, uh, a family that has horrendous uh, history, that you've got awful nightmarish uh, backgrounds to family issues and Halloween, then stay away from it. But if you're the kind of person who's uh, enjoyed this kind of thing throughout your life, you've just become a believer, 
this is something that uh, your parents did, you want to do with your kids. It was lighthearted, you enjoyed it, it was free candy, you know, all those things we've already said. Then I would say use it as an opportunity to, to say to other people, you know, this is the way I used to think about Halloween. I used to think it was just about fun, but now I think, hey, you know what? I know that evil really exists. And I know that Jesus died on the cross because of that evil and the necessity of overcoming that evil. And maybe you even have opportunity to talk about those things now. But to your second point, I would say, uh, which had to do with uh, making sure that we help people to understand how to live in the world, how to deal with the culture at large, and the difficulties that, it, that I think it confronts us as Christians, and in all honesty, it does all the time. I think the thing for us that we have to remember is how, how do we come across to people in a way that's beneficial in our witness? How do we, cons how do we concern ourselves with um, how am I going to uh, be viewed in the culture as somebody who has respect, uh, somebody who has appreciation? The Colossians 4, the first Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, passages about how in wisdom am I going to communicate with people that don't agree with me? I think all of that kind of stuff is important. So how do we do these kinds of things is going to be a real important idea of how do we communicate. But I don't think the communication is any different. Uh, as it relates to Halloween, as it might relate to, hey, how come you have a job as a salesperson? Or how come uh, you have uh, concern about medical ethics? I, you know, to me, all of these things are, are wrapped into one issue, which is how do I negotiate the culture in a world where I desperately have uh, very big disagreements with where does evil come from and, and how do we overcome it? Wow. That's really good. So... Uh, just to just to wrap that up, you clearly don't believe that Halloween is Satan's birthday, right? And and that's established. Right. Halloween's not Satan's birthday, uh, and candy is really good. Yep. And this this needs to be locked out uh, in an individual context on some level. Yes. With the with the understanding that that this can be used and capitalized on as a moment of hospitality from Christians to people who don't walk in the faith. Yes, yes, and, yes, and yes. And that could produce major fruit in the life of that neighbor that you have. That's right. Yeah, and, and if, if there's any one word, if I were going to describe uh, the Christian uh, view of life and things in one word, I would say that it's others. So it's, it's a very other-centered point of view. Uh, my focus is the focus of Jesus, is the focus of Moses in Leviticus 19, that I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Uh, and that love is going to be inclusive in the sense that there's an exclusivity to it, that, that there's only one person in, in human history that's overcome evil, and that his name is Jesus. And so within the context of the local church, I would em emphasize that. You know, go to your pastor, go to leaders in your church, uh, making sure that you're walking side by side with what your particular local church is about. But for this particular podcast today, for this particular radio show, uh, we're saying to people, look, you have an obligation to your neighbors, and uh, your neighbors is one of, as you well put it, hospitality. Yeah. Candy is good and so is God. Absolutely. Yeah. But both are good. That's right. And I know that you you need to take off here in just a few seconds. Um, yeah. 
any final thoughts or questions you might have today? No, I, I, I hesitate to use the word love when I talk about Halloween. Halloween is interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a highly hospitable, but supernaturally bent uh, holiday. Mm-hmm. And so people are interested in interacting with the spiritual part of, of the existence of humans on Earth. And Halloween is one of those really down-to-earth moments where people are fascinated by the things that they can't see. Yes. And, and we as believers, if we're putting in the work, can develop a theology for what it is that they can't see. There that you was go. Paul when he said, I know this God that you worship that you don't know. Yes. Uh, and so I, I think that Halloween, in a lot of ways, for with respect to how some people grew up and what you were saying about relating to food sacrifice aisles and things of that nature, I would say that, that for the majority of Christians, that's not the experience. Right. Which means that we need to give considerable thought toward how do we maximize and utilize a moment like Halloween to be impactful in a way that communicates hospitality and love to our neighbor. And Halloween is not the first thing that you think about when you think about loving your neighbor and hospitality and, and inviting them in, but, but everybody would go to a Halloween party because that's what people do on Halloween. And so why shouldn't it be at your house? Right. Uh, why shouldn't you be the one showing hospitality in a way that reflects Jesus? Not, not, not don't step over the values and the belief system and the morality of what God lays out for the Christian ethic, but... But, um, but honor God but, and love people and there, do, do good. There you go. Do good. There do you go. Good. So, Thanks so much, Joey, for being with us here for today. I know you got to run. You've got other, other places to go and people to see. So thanks for spending some time with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll look forward to the next time. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. You've been listening to Warp and Wolf Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Uh, next week, we come back. Uh, to you again, we're going to be talking with uh, Valerie McRae next week as uh, a psychologist and somebody who is actually interested in becoming president of the United States. So you won't want to miss that show, Valerie McRae, next week. Thanks for joining us this week, our discussion about Halloween. The podcast will be up later on. Grateful for uh, everybody that's invested in this. Josh Collingwood behind the scenes. Appreciate his digitization of everything and our great Producer Harold H.B. Bell. Thanks, man. Digitization. There it is. (laughs) And we'll be back again next week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.